Hello and welcome everyone to Gunpowder Treason No Plot. I am your DM and host, as always, Adam Cookson, and I am joined by my two returning co-hosts, James Bunkle and Paul Flinders. Say hello. Hello there. Hello. They will be reprising their roles as Rogar, the dragonborn ghoul paladin sorcerer thing. Just throw as many titles onto you as I want. <laughs> Mr. And, multi-class. Yeah. And uh, multi-species. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Varys, the half-elven Eldritch Knight, who's currently missing his eyes and his arm. Yeah, the Eldritch Cripple. Hmm. People think I'm being cruel to you for this, but... Uh, no, it's just, just pure luck. prefer to think of it as DMs have to have fun as well. Yeah, yeah why not? <laughs> yeah, oh, you got you got to get your jolly somewhere. Somewhere, come on. Oh yeah, I'd be yeah. bored otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, well, last week Varys got to experience the world through a uh, no eyes and uh, lacking some severe defenses that he used to have. As the pair of you with Meatbone in tow entered a brand new land, and it it treated you well on first entry. Yeah, we didn't do too bad. I mean. Varys had a bath. You did. Yeah. So, um, first off, you got attacked by mist. Rogar met maybe one of his worst fears, a version of Sophia who was kicking the shit out of him. And Varys got picked up by a nightgaunt and chucked in an acid bath. Yeah. So he, 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 he did something he's ever done before. He flew. And then he, um, yeah, he got very, very burny wet, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I like to think involuntary flying is in a nice way to uh, start the day when you've been freshly blinded. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, involuntary flying. Yes, yeah, I like that terminology. <laughs> so, uh, you made your way past those night gaunts that decided to be dicks to you. You made it past the mist, and you made it to what looked like a sea of black vines stretching out over every inch of rock, emanating from a colossal black pyramid. But those vines didn't seem to stand in the way of Rogar. In fact, they separated to let the three of you pass. Are we bypass? Are we bypassing the bit where where Rogar uh, Sparta kicked um, Varys over the cliff? I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We did get you down the cliff via Sparta kick. <laughs> <laughs> you know, occasionally I appreciate brevity. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, Varys plummeted to the earth. Rogar and Meatbone and Varys then made their way across the Sea of Vines to the Black Pyramid, and Rogar was greeted by a voice coming from inside. And that's where we left off. So I suppose that's where we're going to start. Yeah. Um, well, have, since they've said they were expecting me, uh, I'm thinking I'm going to walk through the front door. Well, as you guys are sort of stood a little bit away from the main, well, say the main entrance, you get a good look at this pyramid. And I think I said last week, you can actually see entrances all the way along the bottom. Like there's multiple paths into this pyramid, but you have no idea if they all go the same way or the same direction. And when you actually try to look up at the pyramid and see that giant beam of light that shoots from the top of it, there's something weird about just trying to comprehend the size and scale and scope everything looks wrong about it almost like reality strains to have this thing here and behind you spreads out just this endless sea of vines rogar 
they seem to be staying away from you, but you can see Varys and Meatbone look a little bit nervous as they uh, hear them growing behind them and getting closer. And yes, you hear this voice from inside, and as you start to approach just one of the entrances, I assume you go to the one where you heard the voice come from. Yes, yeah, yeah, because she... Well, the, I'm assuming the voice is what I want to find, so... As you head there, you just make out three figures heading in your direction. Rivaris asks of Ogar, do you recognize the voice? Do you know who it is? Um, well, I'm, I'm not in... Well, I don't... In Rogar's conviction, I assume it was a female voice. No, it was a male voice. Oh, it was a male voice. Mm-hmm. Then possibly not, because he's here to find a priest, and he was pretty, you know, he was pretty certain that she, it, she was feet. Well, she was a she. Mm-hmm. Um... So to hear a male voice, I'm quite worried that I can't make these people out considering I have, like, devil sight, so... Yeah, you see that the darkness seems to just cling to these creatures as they seem to get closer, but as they get to within about 15 feet of you, they're revealed, and you see two figures, one clearly female, the other one you would say male, but it seems to have an almost odd physique. But you can't really tell because both are completely covered in ropes. You see the face of the female is covered in bandages, so much so that it covers her eyes and nose, and there's just a a gap for a mouth. And you can see beneath the bandages, the skin is all sort of gray and cracked, and she has slightly jagged-looking teeth. The male figure, the bandages have no opening. They're just completely, almost completely mummified, but these don't look like mummification bandages or even like medical. They're like sort of partially rotten, but almost like they're more to obscure than anything else. Both of them are wearing what look like quite fancy robes, but also ancient. And these two are led by another creature that you would say looks male? And you think this is the one that spoke to you. This one is robed in yellow silk with sort of a red and yellow silken mask over its face. Its proportions underneath the robe are a little bit strange, almost lumpish, but it seems to walk with ease. And you notice at its waist there is a carven flute of ivory. Its hands, and there's no like skin showing on like its hands or feet or anything. It's all covered in silk. And you notice that both the woman and man behind it are equally covered on their hands and appendages. The creature comes out into the light with these two stood behind him and goes, Welcome, Pilgrim. And you may be. You see its mouth opens, and Varys... Rogar and Meatbone, all of you drop to the ground and your ears bleed. Oh, oh. lovely. Oh, shit. <laughs> and does, it, does it hurt? Oh, it hurts, but yeah. not. I'm not going to make you actually take hit point damage. It RP hurts. Like, ah. You guys briefly sort of scream in pain, and Rogar, you are left with a word in your head of High Priest. <laughs> okay, okay. You have journeyed far, Rogar MacLeod. You have come to the end of your quest now. You were drawn here as it was always fated to be. Do you accept your role as pilgrim? 
to the crawling chaos. So Varus's ears prick now after hearing that again. Uh, oh, hell yeah. Those who accompany you, what role will they take? Varus mm. asks him, what's, what roles are there? You're asking him. I'm assuming he's asking what we could do, maybe? I don't know what, what he wants us to do. I, w- I assumed he was asking me. Hmm. He was directing it towards you. Yeah. yeah. Just just because... Uh, you see, this is hard because I haven't actually discussed it with either of you, but these two gentlemen right here are the... Hmm. I don't want to say first members, but they are valuable members of my flock. I see no mark upon their souls. Then they are merely neophytes. They come to aid you in the tests that await within. This is acceptable. Okay. I'm just going to kind of like side-eye both you guys. Um, just to see if you like your... Uh, how willing you appear to be. Hmm. Varys just says to Rogar, whatever you help you need, you know, you've had my back in the past, I've got yours. I'll do what I can. Meepo nods. That's it. Uh, and I'll turn to her and say, we'll greatly accept this challenge. Then we will begin immediately. You have already chosen your guide. And he moves that silken hand and points towards the female priest who stands slightly behind him. Lysandra will guide you through the path. And the high priest turns and begins to leave with the, you think, male priest following behind him. Lysandra nods to you all and goes, We should begin immediately. Follow me and do not stray. And she turns and starts to go back yeah. into the pyramid. But you notice the other two have disappeared completely. Okay. Um, say, so if, uh, if Meatbone's still happy helping Varys, I'm going uh, to keep quite close to her. Mm-hmm. Um, just because she's obviously the key to this. She's the guide through it. So, you know, Rogar's not going to want to miss like a... He's not going to want to miss a beat, so to speak. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, you kind of head in quickly. And Varys, you presumably are following or getting ready to follow. Yeah, I'll have um, Meatbone guide me. And... Varys, as you start to step to follow Rogar, Meatbone will grab your arm and sort of hold you back just for a second and go. Mm-hmm. Varys, you must be careful here. Yes, if you walk through, I know creatures such as this. We are very familiar with them. Once you enter, there will be no return. Do you accept this? Varys just thinks for a second and goes like, if I stay here, I, have, I don't have a purpose anymore. I'm, I'm an old warrior, no arm, blind. I don't have a purpose other than, at this moment in time, other than what's ahead. Rogar is, has come, came back to help me. I know I'm in the state I'm in, but he helped me. And it seems like he may need, well, it seems I'm, he may need some help. If it comes from me, even better. You don't see it, but Meepon sort of nods and goes, then I will guide you, Varys. Varys thanks him. Yeah, and he starts to lead you inside after Rogar. Okay. So the three of you follow Lysandra through these dark corridors of just black stone. Occasionally, Rogar, you see cracks in the stone from which light shines, but not 
any sort of singular color. You see multicolored spectrums sort of occasionally dotting where these cracks are. As you walk past, you have a slight moment where you want to look just to see what's causing it. Lysandra sort of clicks her tongue and goes, I told you not to stray. Yeah, sorry. Uh, my apologies, love. It's a, bit, it's a bit difficult to see in here, even for me, which, you know, can't help but sometimes we draw into the light. The light shows many things. Many that you are not ready for. Give it time. There are many paths to follow here. This one has been laid out for you. So you've walked this path before, then? We all have. And she keeps going. Varys, as you're walking, Mm -hmm. do me a perception check. And this is for hearing, so it's not with disadvantage. Okie dokie. A 24. Nice. Will be a nat 20, I believe. Yep, nat 20. Mm -hmm. 24. You start hearing whispers coming from all around you, Mm -hmm. drawing you. And you get a moment where you stop and the urge to hear them becomes overpowering. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rogar, do me a perception check. Is this this is hearing as well? Um, yes, would be because you're not looking at him. Fourteen. Fourteen. Yeah, I'd say you'd hear him, Mister Clanky. You uh, you hear him sort of stop, and Rogar, you turn around, and Varys has his ear pressed up against the stone, where some of that light is leaking out of. Varys, steal yourself. We must move forward quickly. Okay, whatever you need. Uh, do I make out what the whispers were? Do you keep listening? Mm. I just say to Rogar, just give me a moment. Just one small moment, and I'll listen briefly. How far away from him am I? Uh, you'd probably only be like 10 feet. So, uh, well, I'll pull him away if I can. Yeah, do you want to do a contested strength? Uh, yeah, can do. Yeah, I mean, uh, say, do both of you roll athletics? Yeah. Oh, that's uh, a nat 20. 20. Is, is it yeah. a nat 20 for me? <laughs> it's a 28. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, Varys, you brace yourself and you're really, really straining to hear what these whispers are saying. They feel so close, just about to creep into your ear, and Rogar just fucking tackles you. <laughs> <laughs> Puts me over his shoulder. The moment, like, your head leaves contact with the stone, you feel like something was wrong there that's... You feel like just a sense of dread and fear of what was being whispered to you. And it's like your mind instantly tries to just block out what you started to hear. Right. So I'll, I'll pick him up and dust him off and say, and just turn to me and say, me, you need, both of you need to stay focused. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, right, Rogo. I apologize. Sorry. It's, it's all right. It's just this place is probably more dangerous than any of us know. Right, I, I, I'll make sure I'll, I'll stay close. Um, lead on. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping I can still see um, Elsandra, but <laughs> there's no saying she has stopped. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she, uh, she stood not too far away from you guys, just waiting. Okay, so uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go back to her and I'll uh, apologize. Their, uh, their minds aren't as trained as mine yet. The mysteries on offer here are endless and equally as tempting. You must always be strong, lest you lose yourself. Baris mm. takes note of that. 
<laughs> Rogo would start laughing just because he is insane. I was putting that out there. <laughs> and you start laughing, you see she smiles, and you see these like cracked grayish black lips and this like jagged set of teeth. And she turns and continues walking. R- Rogar definitely licks his lips seductively. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, you guys continue on and you make your way into a large circular chamber. As Barris and Meatbone enter through the door, the corridor that brought you here disappears. It is now just smooth stone. Mm. Lysandra raises her arm and kind of s- sweeps it around the room, and you notice five archways open that weren't there a moment ago. Oh, shit. Above each of the archways, you see a symbol begin to glow. Just a faint blue. Okay. Lysandra looks at you, Rogar, and goes, It is time for your trial, Rogar. Before you, you see five paths, each representing an aspect that has been chosen specifically for you. For our Lord has infinite forms, but these are the ones he has chosen to test you with. You will enter each one until you have successfully completed three. Okay. She walks up to you and she pulls out a, um, a little pot of um, what looks like sort of ancient crockery. And you see inside of it, there's this um, purplish blue um, viscous liquid. Okay. Uh, she takes her thumb and rubs it through the liquid. And she holds her hand up to your head to anoint you. Okay, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll let her do it. Yeah, so you take, sort of take your helmet off, and she yeah. starts to anoint around, like, your third eye and on your cheeks as she begins to speak to you. Each of these trials will test who you are and what you may one day become. They are difficult, even more so, as you must enter without the protections you have been gifted. And as she finishes anointing you, Rogar, you feel that divine spark of energy that lives inside you suddenly gets snuffed out. Oh, shit. And you have lost your paladin abilities. Oh, shit. Oh. Oh. Okay. So, crap. Crap, indeed. (laughs) (laughs) So, for the uneducated, what would that mean? So, like, no divine smite and things like that? No divine smite, no spells... I'm assuming... You're a level one sorcerer now. (laughs) Oh, yeah, shit. So I do... I've got two spell slots. Yeah. Um, No paladin spells, though. No paladin spells. Um, No divine sense. Yeah. No guiding strike. No... No lay on hands, which is the big thing. Mm. Um, Might wish I'd fucking healed before I walked into this place. (laughs) Um... (laughs) (laughs) You said you were prepared. <laughs> oh, bollocks. <laughs> um, crap. Rogar literally is just look. She just looked terrified. Not terrified because I know I, I I knew obviously it was going to be difficult, but just kind of like <sighs> like like that snuck up on him. Kind of, mm. There's no way that I expected that. Um, I should have watched Black Panther. 
<laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rogar's just, he wants to know what the symbols are because what I'm doing is going to depend on the symbols. She nods and she starts to point each one of them out. The first one she points at looks like some sort of bloody dripping rune. And she goes, the first is the aspect of battle. And she goes, the second one. And you see a sphinx-like creature on the symbol. The aspect of treachery. The next one you see is a dark multifaceted stone that contains a three-lobed black eye. The aspect of murder. The fourth is a large demonic-looking boar. The aspect of darkness. And the fifth symbol you recognize because it's on the uh, top of your helmet is a yeah. circle with writhing black tentacles. The aspect of great works. You may choose any of these. The trial is that you complete three successfully. All right. Rogar is drawn to the one of the, the Whispering Man symbol with the, uh, the tendrils on it. So okay. It, not so much that he thinks that it's most important, but that symbol is kind of, you know, it, there's a reason he has it on his helmet. That symbol does mean a lot to him. And, you know, without knowing exactly who the Whispering Man is, you know, you could almost say he was following him a little blindly through this. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's that symbol is definitely interesting to him. And, you know, she said great works. You know, Rogar wants, Rogar has always kind of wanted greatness even before this. Mm. You know, so yeah, that's definitely, that's where, that's where we're going first. As you prepare yourself to head that way, Lysandra looks at Varys and Meatbone and goes, as his attendants, you may follow, but you may not always act. It will depend upon the trial. You may speak, and Rogar will hear your voices. Mm -hmm. Occasionally, perhaps you will be able to act directly. This will depend upon you and upon what has been planned. Do you understand? Yes. Varavis just responds yes. I'll do whatever's needed. Meepo nods as well. Then you may undertake your first trial, Rogar. Rogar's and, uh, Yeah. Sorry. sorry. I was just going to say, Rogar's going to kind of like, you know... um bow out of respect almost, you know, like uh, like you do to a sensei in a dojo. Mm -hmm. um, and then, uh, you know, make his way to, uh, you know, to the door. And, and when you kind of get close to it, it's like this giant open archway, but you, re you realized every one of these ones you looked at seemed just like darkness that you couldn't see through. But when you get close to it, you realize it's like a shimmering black portal. It almost looks like flowing liquid. And, well, if you're ready, you may walk through. Uh, I don't suppose I can drop any of that lay on hands. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, no, there's, there's, uh, there's no, nothing else I can do. So, yeah, I will step through. Okay. And I assume Varys and Meatbone follow behind you as you walk through. So, Rogar, for a moment, there's nothing but darkness. Just an endless silent darkness and then it's like you're opening your eyes and 
you're somewhere very, very different. You're in a relatively small room. Looks like a like a side room in a tavern. It's got a pretty old weathered table in front of you. There's a couple of chairs, one of which you're sat in, and there's a chair directly opposite. Looks kind of like the sort of tavern you'd just see in any city like Varadin or anywhere else in the world. Just a typical, normal place. You look next to you, and there's a man sat there. Um, he's wearing kind of kind of grubby brown and tan clothes like not expensive very much looks like he lives and works in the poorer districts of wherever you are he's wearing a uh, a dirty hat that's pulled down a little bit over his face but you recognize him sat next to you is a man who you've not seen since he impaled himself on a shard of glass (laughs) you see amaram Someone who's never appeared in our podcast, but uh, was one of the first servants of the uh, Crimson Tongue that was ever met. Though that's not what they knew him as at the time. No. As you look at him, he turns and goes, You take it you're ready? I was born ready. Regardless, you say that, the voice you hear isn't yours. Oh. You look down and you're not a ghoul dragonborn. You're, you're a human. You're wearing sort of similar scruffy, dark clothes. You look bigger than Amaram. You look like maybe your hair is muscle, maybe just as backup. You see you've got a, a few weapons around your waist, like you're clearly, you know, not openly armed, but if something kicks off, maybe you're here to provide protection or something. You're not sure. But you are certainly not the man you were a moment ago. I'm Sam from Quantum Leap. pretty much (laughs) Amaram kind of eyes you a little bit quizzically and goes well yes you best be ready this is this is a big one she sent us here with well a bit of a warning about failure and he kind of pulls down his uh, shirt a little bit and you see that flayed skin you remember Amaram having I'm not not failing again not this time You, you better not fuck this up I don't know why, but this one's important. We've got to get it right. Right, right. So, elaborate on it. Seriously? You didn't fucking pay attention. Since when have you known me to pay attention? I just get the job done. Oh my god, you're a fuck. He kind of like furrows his brow and like starts rubbing his temples a little bit. You know this. We've done it fucking hundreds of times now. The mark shows up. We give him the sales pitch. We get him on board. He gets his task, and that's it. He's ours. I don't know why she's taking a special interest in this one, but apparently she is, so let's fucking get it right. All right. And Varys, for you, this is odd. It's almost like Hmm. you're there, but not there. You can see what's happening. It's like you're watching it on TV. Varys can see this? Yes. It's like you're a little bit detached from the scene, but if you say something, you notice Rogar kind of looks to the side or the the man that Rogar now is, and you realize he can hear you. Quick, check, check, check Ziggy! (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'll start start with the quantum loop jokes. It's not time yet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Amaram stops rubbing and goes, oh, someone's someone's coming. I, I can hear him. And the door creaks open. Yes. Ah, finally, my friend. It's good to see you again. Yeah, see you've uh, 
cleaned yourself up a little bit. Uh, tell me, I, I, I wasn't quite certain. Do you prefer Mr. Blackwood or Steve? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, um, Steve. Steve. Oh, good, good, good. good. Uh, might as well drop formalities. Would you care for a drink? And he kind of pulls out a, a flagon and starts pouring a beer into it. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, um, thank you. Oh, not to worry, my good man. Please take a seat. You look, you look tired. And uh, how does Steve look at the minute? Well, uh, Steve, um, yeah, he's not at the, um, what shall we say, the most comfortable lifestyle. So he's, um, he's a little bit disheveled, as you could say. He's not had a, he's not had a wash for a few days, certainly. <laughs> he's not had a good meal to eat for a while. Yeah, so he's, he's, he's quite appreciative of the drink and the. And they somewhere relatively comfortable to, you know, rest himself, even if, even if it is brief. Yeah, and this is like a private room as well, so you're not being like watched by anyone except these two gentlemen sat before you. Yeah, privacy is a bit of a luxury at the minute for, for Steve. Amaram sort of nods as you kind of like quickly start drinking, like clearly you're desperately thirsty, and he goes, oh, don't worry about that, my friend, we'll, we can get you another. Uh, would you care for some food? Food? Yes, yes, certainly. Yes, please. Yes, I'm not. I'm not. I've not eaten for days. Oh, not to worry. Uh, Amram gets up and he walks around to the door, opens it, and kind of shouts out, um, "Barkeep, get us a plate of whatever's on offer at the moment, would you? Thank you." And he shuts the door. I should be with us soon. Oh, you're so kind. All I've had people past few days just you know just basically spit in my direct my direction. Really, you know. After all, I'll give it to this city, and this is what this is what happens to me. Oh, it is! It is such a shame how people treat our veterans, people who have laid their lives on the line, and you just get tossed in the gutter. It's just despicable. It's, it's disgusting, if I'm honest. I mean, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm the only person who survived. I mean, where's a little bit of sympathy at least? Oh, I know, and my good friend. Um, Clive here knows, don't you, Clive? You were you were part of the military a few years back. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, yeah. It's very, very hard back there. Very hard. Yeah. Say, wh where have they been keeping you? Uh, I wasn't. I've, I've, they've not really been keep. keep well, they weren't keeping me anywhere. I was. I was on the front line. We was constantly moving, and we just got swamped, and I was left for dead. Really. Um, yeah. So our new friend here was a cavalryman. <laughs> mm. Very impressive, don't you think, Clive? Oh yeah, yeah. I wouldn't like to mess with you guys. Yeah, such such a reputation back in the day. Ah, oh, truly the the spine of the Varitan legions. Well, I'm glad somebody thinks so. Um, you wouldn't think it now. I know it is. It is despicable. As I said, I I'm constantly I'm constantly saddened at the state of this city. It is pathetic. How the common folk are treated. It's, just, it's disgusting. I mean, you'd think they blame me for. You think they blame me for the whole unit dying, the whole unit getting wiped out? It wasn't me that killed my comrades. Of course, of course, it wasn't my good man. Of course not. No one, no one here blames you for such an act. No, 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 no. That these things happen in war, and we do our best to move on from them. But <sighs> we we talked briefly the other day, didn't we? I said yeah. there were. There were other options for a man such as yourself. You know, I'm sure there have been people out there who've spoken to you of 
revolution or have spoken to you of maybe even joining the guard in the city. But you I'll be honest, you really want to serve the sort of people who spit on you? No, they, they, I, I, I was turned away. I was, I was shunned. I was shamed. They, they want nothing to do with me. And oh, less said about my family, the better. Yes, yes, it is a, a dire circumstance. But that's why, that's why I spoke to you, my boy. I, I had an inkling. You know, you know when you get a, a gut feeling about something. I saw you there, and I just had to have a chat. You. You seem like a prime candidate for something a little bit different. Yeah, what do you mean? Well, me and me and my friend here, we, we have a little bit of a a group. You could call it a bit of a, a support group. We look for solutions to problems, ways to help each other. You could say I've got a problem right now. I know, my boy. So many people do. We we look out for one another and I'm sure you've gone to the temples. I'm sure you have. A man like you, a good, pious man. I'm sure you've gone and tried to get help. But what do they offer you? Just some platitudes? They even did they try to take some coin off you for the collection plate? Yeah, and they, they turned me away. I mean, I, I, I'm on the street. What did he expect? I, Tempest has abandoned this city. He lets his soldiers just crawl away and die. It's his. This is such a sorry state of affairs. That's why we have we have our little group, you see. That's why we've been working so hard to find people such as yourself. People who just want to pick themselves up off the ground and start over. Start something new. Hmm. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I'll be straight up. We don't take just anyone. There'll be something you'll need to do. Something we can discuss. But I assure you, this... This path that opens before you today will change your life for the better. It can't get any worse. Mm. So, Steve, you're interested? You're willing to cast your lot in with us? Uh, What's in it for me? (laughs) What isn't in it for you, my man? A whole whole new life, a a new beginning. You will be reborn. You'll get the respect you deserve, my friend. And that I do deserve. I mean, I, I've put my life on the line for this city. I get. I, he points to what's left of his military uniform that he's still wearing. He's got his rank sort of there, but faded. He's like, they people don't see this. They don't. They don't respect this. They just see me as for what people have said. No one's seen what's happened out there. All these people are treating me what people have said about me. You know, I'm a coward. Um, you know, I'm a waste of space. I got my, my unit killed. Even my wife and children. My wife and children even even thought that. They thought they, they couldn't even wait until I got back before she moved on. That is awful. I assure you, we would never abandon you, my friend. In fact, our leader has already spoken about you. She's, she would be so happy to meet you. Meet you today, in fact. Okay. Oh. Oh yes. But our leader has, well, you could say, an air of divinity around her. She, she can see things that others can't, and everyone who has had to come to us. She's asked something of them, something that she knows is important. 
I don't know what it is for you, but... And Amaram takes out from his coat a long, wicked-looking dagger. And Rogar, you recognize the symbol of the Whispering Man on the hilt, and he puts it on the table. Steve's, like, studying it. Now, I'm not sure what this will say, but she said, you'd understand the cost. And he pulls out a letter from his pocket and slides it across to you. And Steve opens it up, and he slowly reads it. Was it can can I do, like, a perception check on the dagger at all? Certainly. Um, and would I get advantage? Um, no. Because it's sight, but is it <laughs> sight? Is it me? <laughs> I still roll a 19. 19? Um, to you, you look at it, it looks like some sort of ceremonial sacrificial dagger. Very clearly marked with symbols of the Whispering Man. It has an almost unholy radiance to it. It's hard because I don't actually know what the what the aim is. The aim might be to allow you to join. That's what that's what I that's what I think it is in my head anyway. Oh, you don't know, but you're here right now. So, so Steve is currently slowly reading this letter that he's just just been received, just received, and he gets to the bottom of it, and his his hand is shaking, and the, the letter drops to the floor. He's like. Is this for... This is what I've got to do. Oh, yes. He sort of nods and smiles at you. Can I pick up the letter? Um, it depends. Is Steve going to try to stop you? You can get up. Like, it's on the other side of the table if he's dropped it to the floor. Steve's in shock at the minute. He's like, he can't believe... So if Rogar goes to grab it, I don't think Steve would be, like, in a position to stop him. Yeah, I'm going to take a look at the letter if I can. Uh, Amram shoots you a bit of a glance, like, what the fuck are you doing? And, uh... Right, what does the what does the letter say, Paul? We learned about this correctly. It's what I've got to do to join. Okay. Um, um, it basically says that I to show that I'm willing to, you know, put my like. It's like if he's willing to put his like his his. I'm trying to think what the word is. If he's willing to do whatever it takes to for the for the you know for the Crimson Tug and the Whispering Man, he'll obviously pay like the biggest like ultimate price sort of thing. To show his loyalty, and what it says on the letter is he's got to um, kill his wife, his kids, and his her new fella. Oh, interesting! And display on the outside of the house when he's done it. Hmm. By leaving their heads outside. All oh, right. Okay. Okay. Um... So, so Steve is obviously taken aback with what he's read, read in the letter. I mean, he doesn't. He's angry with his wife and he doesn't give a shit about the bloke who well she does he's angry with him obviously he's taken his place but it's his children they've done nothing to, for him to I'm him gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna put my hand on his shoulder and i'm just gonna say look my friend i can i can see you're uh you're, you you may be worrying about your thoughts here but not only has your wife replaced you your children have replaced you too no, that's not true. I'll always be their father. I'll always, be, even if I'm not there, I'll always be their dad. And have they asked to see you? Have they come looking for you? Have, or are they playing with their new dad? Have you been pushed out like no by them, like you have been by your wife? No, they've just they've just not they've just not, they've just not, they've just not been allowed to come. Well, you know, they'd never do that to the to the. 
father, would they? Would well, they? To be honest, mate, I've seen it before. I've seen it a thousand times. I bet they wouldn't even recognize you. Maybe I wouldn't want them to recognize me the way I am right now. But they have to. They have to die. What what, what what power is worth killing my children? This is not our least question, friend. Oh, um. See, Steve is really. He's got. He's, he's at rock bottom. He's got nowhere else to go. I mean, he's been offered a way out of his situation, and he's been given a, a huge, a massive task and a massive price to pay. And he's just weighing. He's weighing it up in his head at the minute. He's like. Do we, what is, like I say, he's, he's trying to figure out in his head whether his children would recognise him as the way he is now. Would it be worth, would, if, he, if he saw them, would they you know who he is? And Rogar's speech is sort of like leaking him like, well, no, they won't. And they, like you say, Clive, do you, you think you, you think that, that she's replaced him, me, with with him? As, as, dad, as the dad, and they've accepted that. That's why they've not come to see me. It makes perfect sense to me, my friend. I mean, think about it. She doesn't care about you. She didn't even wait to find out if you were alive. She just moved on and got in the next guy, the next replacement. You know, you can't you can't be telling me that she wasn't looking for a new daddy. When I was there, the kids didn't even like want to speak to me. Kind of answers your own question, there, man. What guarantees have I got if I do this that I don't end up in in in, in some dungeon left to rot or hung? Fella, if we were going to hang you or lock you in a dungeon, why would we bother getting you to do this? Mm, well, they've replaced me anyway. And Steve's sort of like, he's, he obviously he's starting to feel quite a little angry now at the situation. He's like, well, if I can't have it, no one is. That's the spirit, my friend. Why should he get to replace you? Why? Why should other people benefit from my misfortune? And Steve grabs the dagger and he's like, they're all going to pay for replacing me. You're making the wise choice, friend. They didn't make a wise choice. I'll see to that. Sign me up. And Rogar, whatever this was, fades away. And you, Varys, and Meatbone are stood back in the central chamber. <gasps> and you look over to the symbol of the Whispering Man, and it's gone from blue to green. And it's now, like, burning as if it's been set aflame by some sort of eldritch torch. Yes. That was well good as well. (laughs) The 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 will to stab Steve in the neck then was (laughs) was almost unbearable. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it was so hard. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) <laughs> Flo is going to be fuming with you <laughs> probably <laughs> mm. um, while you're stood there Lysandra walks over and she puts her hand on your shoulder and goes the will to act for the greater plan over your own selfish instinct to allow great works to come to pass instead of focusing upon short-term gains. You have passed the first trial. Rogar is uh, relieved 
there's a there's a bit of, there's a bit of uh, I don't want to say well, yeah almost anger in the back of his head because it's just like that you know that was that 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 was just hard mentally mm. you know obviously not physically because he hates Steve and he knows that you know he knows that it that you know that it can only be one of them in the mm. end so you know that was that was a that was a big you know that was a tough test and you know he's he's happy but he's still like frustrated because he <laughs> wanted to do him in <laughs> uh well congratulations varus is a bit taken aback with what he's seen i mean mm. varus is like wait what, what's all that what crawl, is this what the crawling chaos is all about in you his head, he's thinking no he's thinking that in his head no he's thinking that in his head because he knows for a fact if he starts questioning it, he's going to get killed. <laughs> so he's, th- he's thinking it in his head. He's like, well, hopefully there's got to be more to it than this. I mean, he's heard of, he's heard of religions where there's been like sacrificial sort of stuff going on. Um, and yeah. Sort of like prices to pay. And they weren't all bad, I guess. But yeah. Um, so Varys is like, mm, okay, I hope, I hope there's more to it than this sort of thing in his head. Hmm. But at the same time, he realizes he's got nowhere else to go. So, so all religions somewhere are built on blood. Exactly. And um, Varys, for you, interestingly, you could see during that vision like you were seeing through Rogar's eyes, but now you're back to blindness. You just stood in darkness again. You can imagine it's quite jarring. Mm. Yeah. So, um, I'm guessing. So next up. <laughs> yeah, like another door. So, see, battle, murder. They they stuck out to me at the uh, when she was reading them off. Battle, murder, darkness, treachery. Those are the last ones. Oh, you see, treachery could be really good. Darkness could be darkness could be really good. Mm, this is hard. Tell you what, um, sweet, I'm going to roll a d4. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to actually live roll a d4 as well. Rocking out with actual dice. Yeah, actual <laughs> dice. A three. So. That is murder. Isn't yeah, murder. Murder. Okay. So you walk towards the symbol of the multifaceted stone with the three lobed black eye. And once again you step through this shimmering black portal. Okay. Rugar, you, Varus, and Meatbone are stood in a completely different corridor, much wider and lit with torches. And in the distance, you can just pick out what sounds like scraping of metal on stone, and then a few grunts of pain, and then the same scraping again, just repeating back and forth. Okay. Um, I'll move towards it, but cautiously. Okay. You start making your way down the corridor, and I assume Varys and me will follow behind. Yeah, he'll follow. You... Come out into a large chamber that has like a broken roof so that a little bit of light is flowing into the room. And in the distance, Rogar, you see a dragonborn sat on a large stone with his back to you. A blue dragonborn. He's wearing plate uh, pants, essentially, but he's not got the chest plate on. You see on his back is a burn it looks almost like a brand. And do me a, uh, do me a, do me a religion check. Okay. This is pretty low DC for you though, because you should know it. Oof. 
It's an 11. 11. For you, that's enough, because this is a symbol you know incredibly well. Okay. It's the symbol of the Platinum Dragon, Bahamut. Oh, okay. And you see this dragonborn is holding a dagger, and he's scraping the stone underneath him for a moment, and then he brings it back up to his arm and seems to be digging at something. And you watch as a scale goes flying, and then he goes back down and scrapes the blood off the dagger again. Okay. Um, could I do like a could I do a perception check to see if I can gauge anything else about him? Maybe I know him. Certainly. If you want to try a check before you get any closer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just uh, that's my idea. Um, so, uh, would this be with advantage or not? Yep, you are Rogar. <laughs> Only a thirteen. Thirteen. He does look a little familiar, but it's hard to tell. Like, he looks a little um, thin, a little starved, like he's been through just an awful time. Yeah, you'd have to get a little bit closer to be certain who it might be. Okay, I'll move. I'll move a bit closer. Um, said he, he looks a bit starved, so I'm a bit, you know, I'm feeling a little bit more uh, confident, at least. Mm. So you just approach? Do you announce yourself, or are you just kind of walking towards him? Uh, no, I'll announce myself because the chances are that if I don't, then he'll uh, just stab me outright. So, <laughs> um, uh, as I well, as I approach, I'll um, I'll say, "Who goes there?" The scraping stops, and his hand kind of is limp at his side, but still holding the dagger. Stay away, stranger! I'll do you no harm if you do me no harm. Very well, but that doesn't answer my question. I am a paladin of the Platinum Dragon. For what good it has done me. Mm. Rogar, do me a do me a history check. Just to see if you recognize the voice. With a six? I doubt it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hoarse and croaky like the throat's just not had like water in a while, so the voice is a bit more distorted than you were expected to hear. Do you get any closer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna you know, I'll continue to move towards him. I'm not, you know, it's not so much that I'm going to harm him yet. As you start walking closer, you're like your heavy plate uh, footsteps just clanking on the stone ground. He sort of turns his head towards you and goes, I told you to pay me no mind. Ro- Roga, is that you? Yeah, and you are... As you get closer to the man, you recognize... Your uncle, Kalen. No. Oh God! How are you? How are you here? I feared you dead, my boy. Makes you say that. Do you? Do you not know? A clan was slaughtered. I returned home, and everything was burnt to ash. I found your father's body. My, my poor brother, Caldus. Found his wife. Your mother. I found. Since our family, all of them, had been put to the sword and the flame, I could see no, no signs of you, but I had to assume you were caught up in the fires. Just seeing a ghost, lad. <laughs> and, uh, I'm gonna pull my helmet off. Hmm. What is... Come... Come closer, boy. I... I can't see your face very well. 
Um, I'm a bit wary of doing that because he could just up and stab me. This is murder we are talking about. Um, so uh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just gonna say, yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, may, maybe maybe your family's been struck down and murdered, but as you can see, there's no dragonborn left in me. What are you, what are you talking about, boy? What's, what's gotten into you? Have I been gone so long? I know you took it hard when I left, but I, I had to follow my faith. I had to take up arms. It was, it was necessary. I would have come home. I would have seen you again, lad. <laughs> well, sometimes we all make mistakes. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to pull out a clip. Okay. What is the meaning of this? Ruka, what are you doing? Can I just take a swing at him? You can. Uh, oh, that's a natural 20. <laughs> 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 um, so that's a, a, a 30 with 24 damage you slice straight through his unarmored chest and just a fountain of arterial spray just gushes out of him he drops to his knees the dragger falls from his hand and he just gasps at you and tries to reach out just trying to, to touch you almost to make sure you're real that this is happening and you watch the light fade from his eyes as that's happening I'm going to lick some of the spray off the side of his face. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, pick up his dagger if I can. Just because it's there. <laughs> As you go to reach for it, you hold it up and look at it. And it's it's a very nice dagger of Bahomet. Just like a, a platinum hilt with the dragon's face on it. But then it starts to fade as the whole scene begins to fade and you're back in the central chamber. And as you look over to the aspect of murder, it too explodes into green flame. Doing well, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh! <laughs> couldn't, couldn't, couldn't really gone any better, that. Was your <laughs> Natural 20. Booyah! <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah, Rogar's like... <sighs> It's like it's like his. I used I, I used to describe like when we, when we first started playing that he had like a, like a almost like electricity inside of him, you know, because because he was being like a dragonborn mm. and whatnot. Um, but now he, he kind of he's got he's feeling that again, but it's not it's not like a it's not like electricity. It's like a it's like a it's like the, it's almost like the shadow caused by a flame. Mm. You know what I mean? It's 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 smoldering, but it's still that like oh yeah about it and you do sense that even in that emptiness where the whispering man's power has disappeared from you you do sense that growing almost as if you're sinking deeper into something yeah and you hear Lysandra from somewhere behind you go to cast aside what you once were with an act so pure and yet so simple is a task many of us have had to endure you have been successful fulfilling this Roga. well so two, two down one to go mm -hmm. so, uh, I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do what I did last time I'm gonna roll the die 
So that leaves us with darkness, battle, and treachery. Oh my god, I rolled a natural six. Um, I'm on D6. So that would be the third one along of the three. So that was darkness. Darkness. Okay then. So you run ahead, and Varys, I assume you're continuing to join along. I mean, that one you didn't really see much. You heard someone talking, and then you heard someone dying. Yeah, to Varys, that could just symbolize change, because obviously he didn't know what was in there. Mm -hmm. So it could just be Rogar was, like, you know, casting something aside just so he could, like, write you part of all sort of, like, a loyalty sort of thing. He didn't know he'd killed his uncle. He doesn't know that. Mm. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So... You head towards darkness. This one you walk through, and Varys, you get a similar view as you did on the Great Works, where now you're almost watching through Rogar's eyes and he can hear you. But right. Once again, you can see. And what the pair of you see as you walk through is a large, open stone diocese that seems to be high up in the air, almost as if it's like the top of some sort of grand tower. Roga, you appear to have stepped out of a solid chunk of stone that when you turn your head to look at is covered in like green chalk drawn arcane symbols that you don't recognize and they almost hurt for you to look at. They seem to shift under your gaze, but it looks like you walked out of them. And before you, you see 30 robed figures all stood in a grand circle and in the center, one of them starts to walk before you, and this one, he has his hair, his uh, hood pulled down. He has wild, um, white hair, and his eyes are just crazed. And he goes, as you sort of stand there getting your bearings, you look out onto this sky that is just this storm that's erupting with lightning. And you're clearly, like, high up in the air. You don't know how the hell you got up here, but you hear the wind, like, howling through, uh, howling across the, uh, the diocese, and across the roof, really, I suppose. And um, this man runs up to you and goes, Praise be! Ah, praise be! You have answered our call, O great demon, demon of the darkness. It is finally time for us to wipe clean these lands. You have sent to us one of your messengers. You have sent a harbinger of destruction with your words. Welcome, O Great One. He gets down on his knees and, like, offers up, like, a prayer, like he's uh, giving respect. It is now the time of change upon this world. Please help us. Help us in completing this, the greatest act that any of us can hope to achieve. And Rogar, as you're sort of taking this in, you can hear, it's like constant whispering in your head. And you realize the way they're stood and they've got all these little like symbols drawn around them and there's like this grand ritualistic occult sign in the center. You realize this is some sort of massive spell. And the words you're hearing in your head seem to represent what you need to do to complete it. Okay. And this little task is going to work a bit like a skill check. Though it's going to be a little different from the ones we've done before. It's going to be entirely arcana based. Uh 
Okay. And Ra, what you do and describe that you do, and Barris, if you want to chip in in terms of ideas. Yeah, I can do. What you do will either give you advantage on the roll or give you additional, like, plus one, plus two to the roll. Okay. Mm-hmm. Depending on how I decide what you've done. Okay. So you start to hear these words whispering, and this guy is, like, basically telling you now is the time to end wherever the hell you are. And you see all the other cultists start chanting, and you, you can kind of feel the crackle of magical energy start to rise all around you. Okay. And what do you do? Before we get started, I was just going to pat him on the head and say, Great Scott, my friend. Uh, where's the clock tower? I don't know, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I'm going to head into the middle of the circle. That's where I think I belong. Okay. And then um, I'm going to start reciting the words that I can hear in my head. Okay. Are you doing anything else to accompany that, or is that just your first thing? Um, well, I, I mean, as I, as I, uh, no, not that—that's that, the first thing. I'm not gonna—I'm not—I'm not really planning on doing anything else until I get into center, really. Okay. So make your first Arcana check. Do I help him with that or not? Or? What are you doing to help him? Uh, don't think there's a lot. I could—I could—I could possibly help him remember what was said. Maybe I don't know. Um. For you, it's more like um, you can't help with the role itself, but you can advise on what he might, like, should potentially do, if you see what I mean. Like, ways to ensure that this ritual to go forward. Right. You can be as creative as you guys want. Yep, no worries. I I get it. So, yeah, I'm going to, as I'm walking into the center, I'm going to have my arms, like, kind of like, you know, my arms out, you know, as though I'm accepting their, uh, you know, their, their, well, I don't want to say prayers, but in a way, prayers. Mm. Um, you know, as I come into the center, and I'll uh, I'll make my first roll. That's a seventeen. Seventeen is a success. Ooh. So you, as you walk forward, you hear almost like another voice starts to come from your mouth, and you start saying words that, to you personally, make absolutely no sense, but you can feel the power emanate off them. You can see reality begins to shimmer as you speak them out. As you do so, and you get to the center of the symbol, the whole symbol explodes in flame briefly, and then it's just down to a simmering purple and black flame just running along all the lines of the symbol. Okay. Um, That's staple. Oh, I'm definitely gonna. I'm yeah. definitely gonna stay in the symbol, but uh, I'm thinking I'm gonna take out Eclipse, mm-hmm. and um, and then I'll uh, and I'll and I'll stab it into the ground. And you see, if I could levitate, this would be really cool, but I can't. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but then uh, I want to kind of. We've all seen Aquaman, haven't we? I've not actually. So uh, describe oh. it for me. <laughs> the the bad guy in Aquaman. Basically, in all the scenes where he's like trying to rally people to war and stuff like that, he he's always like kind of well, he's not levitating because he's underwater and he's like magical swimming powers or whatever. Mm. Um, but he always goes as he as, and literally he spends the whole movie doing it. Yeah. But, <laughs> but but that's what I kind of want to do is in that you know I, I like I, like I can feel the power kind of you know. You know, raising or not not just me up but us up and you know mm-hmm. okay so that's to begin with uh varus are you adding anything to that do you have any suggestions of what he um, could do 
I was thinking maybe he could go onto his knees, but I don't know if that would make much difference. But other than that, not really. Okay. So, uh, Rogar, I will give you a plus one to this roll. So roll me an arcana. That's a twelve. Twelve. That is a failure, unfortunately. <sighs> so you see the flames start to flicker, and for a moment they raise up a little bit, but then they simmer back down. <clears throat> well, it obviously work what you was doing, so I would possibly try again. Well, I'm thinking about, like, well, burning a spell into it. Mm -hmm. Oh, to increase the power? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not a bad shout, actually. It's not a bad idea at all. I only, but the problem is I only have first level sorcerer spells. That's correct, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, but what else are you going to use them for? Oh, no, no, no. It's, it's not so much that. It's just that because they're only first level, they're not exactly powerful. Um, it's more powerful than what was, what was there, though. So if it's... I suppose it's more powerful than nothing. Yeah. Um, so, if I remember this spell correctly, you said there's fire all around us, didn't you? Yep. So... This flickering purple and black flame. Oh, you also said there's lightning in the air, though. I did. You did. So... Maybe reach up towards it. Like you're asking for it to come down. I'm thinking about slamming down a thunder wave onto the ground around me. Because it's like into a cube, isn't it? Mm -hmm. um, and I'm hope I don't think I'll hit any of the people around me. No, they're they're a reasonable distance away from yeah. you. It's like, and it makes about, like, makes a pretty away, so. makes a makes a pretty big sound mm. and whatnot. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. You know, as I'm continuing to uh, to chant the words that they are, um, you know, that that's coming into my head. Mm -hmm. So, like, so when I when, kind of when like I slam it that kind of when I like, you know, put, put, you know, use the spell. I'll kind of slam it down into the ground again because I'm thinking that's the the the. You know, we're on top of a we're on top of a tower. We're on top of a roof for a reason. Mm -hmm. You know, so you know, I, it it must be projecting something, or you know, you must need to be this high up for us to you know for for a reason. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm going to slam it into the ground. You know, because I'm thinking that the this this tower means something. Mm -hmm. Okay. So for trying to draw on the environment, I'll give you a plus one. And for burning the spell, I will give you advantage on the roll. 16. 16 is just good enough. Ooh. You raise your hands up for a moment and you feel the lightning crack all around you. And as a bolt comes down towards you, at the same time, you drop your hands and cast Thunder Wave. And it's like the bolt of lightning hits Eclipse and it makes all of the fire around you erupt once again, and now it seems to be emanating this horrible black smoke up into the air. Just thinking, I've got, because that, 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 that seemed pretty good, and I also have the Pearl of Power, mm -hmm. so I could burn a second level spell using the Pearl of Power. I don't have any second level sorcerer spells, that would be your problem. But I'd let you use the polar power creatively for this, though, because this is more of an RP thing. So, does, uh, is that is that you saying that I could use it to cast one of the spells I would have known? Uh, I was going to say more that you could use a sorcerer spell, but at a higher level than it would normally be cast at. So, you'd right, just, okay. you'd, like Thunder Wave, you'd cast at level two. So yeah, so yeah, I'd cast Thunder Wave at level two. Um, right, that's fine. Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do. Yeah, screw it. So at second level, I'll cast Color Spray. Okay, Where, what are you doing with it? Just casting it into the fire or just above you? What's the... So I'm thinking into the air because I'm, uh, what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to do is I'm, try, I'm trying to highlight the, 
the, I'm, I'm trying to highlight the the color of the sky the because I the way I imagine this is you know the, the sky is like it, it's black and it's purple and it's you know it, it, mm. it looks it looks uh, well I suppose the word out it looks demonic or, or in a sense almost and what I want to do with this is I kind of want to I want to feed that and I want I want them to be able to you know to almost feel it closing in on them and the, that, those black clouds mm. it's the smoke as well you've got to think of as well yeah 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 so, and you realize you also have the cultists there as well so if you want to instruct them to do something that could be making up part of what you're trying to do i'm wondering if like they might be able to do the same thing walk into the fire <laughs> uh, the option is that varus's suggestion ah fuck it just kill everyone <laughs> <laughs> I, don't want all, I, don't, I don't really want them all to die but what i'm kind of thinking is you know, if it's possible, I kind of want. I want. To, I want to be able to like. I want to. I want to. I want to try and draw them to me, in a sense, so that not so, not just that. You know that. You know not to not to just walk them blindly into a flame and kill them, but like you know the like almost like not to be afraid as you know because if you if you're thinking about if you're bringing if you're bringing like a, a demon from another world to come and end the world, you know you, I can imagine there's a bit of apprehension there when it, when it actually arrives. So you try to encourage them to kind of like commit to this as much as possible. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I want I, I want the uh, you know not cuz everybody people people by their nature have second thoughts when mm. when they when they finally see what they were actually you know they think oh yeah this is cool and then the actual thing happens and then they go oh crap and their arsehole falls out. Mm. Yeah. You know and but I want to almost try and steal that resolve in them so kind of almost again I, as i'm doing it i'll be i'll pull my i'll pull eclipse out of the out of the ground and hold it in the air and mm -hmm. um you could say like the guy when he came up to you he said it's time for the world to cleanse because they come on let's be get, get come come and be cleansed with me sort of yeah thing. yeah well I, I, yeah i was thinking i was thinking kind of something along the lines of um let's see because i have to rogar it up a little bit <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you want to see the end of the world? You want to see where the stars have brought us and where we are being led as the future. And, uh, you know, with the, this is, you know, with, with Eclipse in the air and the color, like, coming, always coming out of Eclipse, if like, I could transfer it through it. Mm -hmm. Cool. So uh, with clutching the Pearl of Power in one hand and raising Eclipse up, you start to channel that color spray at a at a more powerful level than you would ever normally do up into the air and you watch the cultists all start like chanting and walking slightly towards you with their own arms raised up and roll me that arcana check i will give you advantage for burning the spell and i will give you again a plus one for uh inspiring everyone that is a 23 23 excellent you watch as the color spray almost takes on a life of its own changing into colors you can't even properly perceive as they seem to reflect and refract the light that's coming up from the strange fires around you. You see almost like energy and magical power flowing off the cultists and the sky begins to shimmer and crack and you watch as this monstrous green light starts to shine down upon the tower from somewhere far above. Ooh. And I'll tell you, you need one more success and you've got it. Okay. I'd say encourage to beckon that whatever's up there down. Yeah, yeah, well that's what I was yeah, that's what I was thinking. You wanna I wanna I wanna be inviting this thing down. 
and so I'm thinking art force or something. Yeah, well, I'm I'm thinking you know, um you know, like as 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 this thing started coming down and um you know I'll put my arms out to the sides again uh, as I'm staring up into the into into this like into this void this green light and um and, I, and i'm saying like join us all great one come forth and deliver your justice upon the weak upon everybody upon this barren world that does not deserve your presence cool i will give you a plus one on this arcana check and roll it straight up oh, like a 10 10 you start chanting up to the heavens but nothing seems to happen that is your second failure um so i'm thinking i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna continue i'm gonna on that theme what i Mm want to look what i want to do is i want to look around for anybody who is looking sheepish is the word that i'm going to use no i've inspired these people so they should all be you know they should be buoyed by that they should be coming to me they should be appreciating what i'm doing Hmm. And uh, what, what I'm wondering is if there is that one person who is, you know, looking a little bit tense or a little bit pensive, you know, the, the, there's all, you know, there's always a chance. So I'm hmm. just, I, just want, I just want to see if there is anybody. All right. As you look around, you notice most of them have walked towards you and are actually stood um, like on the lines where this occult symbol was and the fire doesn't seem to be affecting them. But there is just, just one guy who seems to be a little bit afraid that he's going to like, catch on fire like he hasn't fully committed uh, and I'll uh, and I'll uh, I'll turn my attention to him and rate and like point to and point to him and be like you non-believer bring him to me and uh, in the in the hope that all the cultists the other cultists will go and grab him and like drag him over to myself you see the two like closest cultists just grab a hold of him and drag him into the center so I'll uh, grab hold of him by his throat, um, and then uh, say, "You do not deserve to be here." And I am going to take a bite out of his face uh, <laughs> in front of everybody, and then raise what you know his corpse above my head because I am strong. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'll, uh, you know, as like. You know, flesh and hairs like falling out of my uh, my. I was gonna be like, and this is what we do with the people who do not believe. This is the fate of the weak, of the crippled, and of the non-believers. As I then like throw his body to the ground as hard as I possibly can, and uh, you know I'm gonna stick like a. I might use burning hands to set him on fire as I do it. Ooh. And burn that burn that last spell slot I've got. So you know, like you know, so he's he's above my head. He's on fire, and I've just thrown him at the floor after I've eaten his face. You know, and like you know, like sacrificing him for the cause. Like sacrificing him to to this 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 god or you know demon, whoever it is. I'm trying to call down. Mm-hmm. All right, and you. Do that and roll me. I say I like that one. I'll give you a plus two, and again, burning the spell, I will give you advantage. That is a twenty-one. Twenty-one. You rip off this non-believer's face. You raise him up to the heavens. You draw 
your power to you to cast Burning Hands, and you watch as the flames around you actually move up and make up part of your spell. He is engulfed in these purple and black flames as you chuck him into the smoke, and that light from above just gets stronger, almost too strong as it starts to blind you, Rogar, and you see massive hand begin to reach down from the heavens, followed by multiple just skyscraper-sized tentacles as they begin to reach down towards the tower and the image fades and you're back in the chamber and you look at the aspect of darkness and it is now glowing with an eldritch green flame. Yes. That that was a good one. That was the toughest one. (laughs) (laughs) Varys was like, oh, it's... He was weak, I guess, but means to an end, but did he have to kill him? <laughs> yeah, you're damn right I did. Varys <laughs> is thinking out thinking this, but he's not quite put off yet. I sense doubt in you, attendant. But do not worry for the lives cast aside. What you will see here is that death has no true meaning. Within the light of the crawling chaos. There is only infinity, the cycle of life and death that your mortal gods cling to to keep you oppressed and keep you under their heel is their greatest lie. See, Varys is putting two and two together now, and he's going to get the wrong answer because I don't think Varys has been told he's a dreamer, has he? Uh, I mean, you disappeared and reappeared when you died. Hmm. But... um. Is he putting it together that maybe the Whispering Man's behind or the Crawling Chaos or whatever it is he is, is behind that? Uh, it's, uh, it's up to you to draw your conclusion on that one. See, Varys, as far as I'm aware, Varys hasn't been told, so... I think Rogar mentioned it, but just being told that doesn't really tell you exactly what everything is. Like, he exactly. could say that, but maybe he was lying to you. Maybe he was... Or maybe that's what he thinks it is. You don't you know. See, you see, when she's mentioned, then it was like, well, death doesn't mean anything. It's just, it's it's like well, Varys is like holy holy shit. Maybe this is why when I've been struck down by Mister Huggy and the constructs outside the palace in Sarnath, it's like maybe maybe it was maybe it was something a bit more divine than that. Maybe he's thinking back to the situation with Steve. Maybe 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 I've got a purpose. Maybe that's why I kept her. Perhaps your path will be revealed to you yet. See, Varys is now pondering. And she looks at Rogar. And Rogar, since you completed that ritual and that light encompassed you, when you reappeared, you feel this growing, clawing, almost infinite darkness pooling inside of you. The mere act of trying to complete that spell to bring forth whatever you did leaves a permanent mark within you. And you don't know whether what you're seeing are events that are actually happening, or did happen, or are going to happen. But whatever it is, it certainly has an impact on you. And you just feel that endless abyss within you grow ever so much darker. You see, I get, I get the feeling Rogo wouldn't feel it's worse. Rogo would feel it's better. I was about to say better, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe, no. maybe worse is the wrong description, but certainly stronger. More yeah. powerful. Yeah. Um, Ro- Rogo's feeling, you know, like, you know he's he's past he, he, you know he's past these challenges 
you know he's feeling he's feeling that you know this is you know he's pro- he's pro- he, he's again proving his worth to the to the crawling cast to the whispering man he's you know he's making headway here and he wants nothing more than to you know than 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 to prove himself to you know to be to be seen like that mm-hmm. as you sort of take that moment to reflect you hear Lysandra finishes speaking to Varys and then turns back to you and goes, Well done, Pilgrim. You have completed the trials set before you. And if you wish, you may now ascend to the next test. Or, if you are curious, you can see the final two paths. I leave this choice to you. Varys is like, why linger? But uh, Rogar's like, thinking, has anyone ever done all that? Um... I think, in fact, I think I'm going to ask her. I was going to say to her, um, when you say I can see the final two doors, do you mean I can complete the final two doors? They are your tests. If you wish to undertake them, then that is your right as pilgrim. I get the feeling they give me, like, like oh, I don't know. There's, oh, I think, I think Rogar's going to kind of look over it like, Barris, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of feeling this, guys. Barris is like, well... If that's what you want to do, fair enough. If if you I, personally, I don't see the if you, if you can move on, why not? But if you feel inclined to do so, then I've got your back. Mm. You said we're moving on to a. Uh, she said we're moving on to another test, didn't she? Mm-hmm. It's just oh, Rogar is like, ooh, <sighs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to have to ask her. Has anybody ever completed five? She looks at you for a moment, and it's strange because her eyes are covered in these bandages, but you feel something staring at you from beneath them. And she kind of cocks her head to one side and goes, There are many worlds and many pilgrims, and they all come here eventually. Countless, countless numbers have failed to even pass one trial. There have been some who have completed them all and gone on to commit the grandest of atrocities. It is up to you whether you wish to continue or not. Oh, you see, Rogo's all about, like, the the big statements. Um, Yeah, I want want to look into treachery. Okay. So you walk up to the symbol of the Sphinx. And that shimmering portal is still there before you, and you step through. And that's where we're going to end this episode. <laughs> uh, it might it might come back to bite me in the ass, but I, I, I have to do it. <laughs> well, well, you've already passed, so you only needed three. So if you fail even if you fail the other two, these next two, all right, a bit of bit of pride, but hmm? you know you're still passed. Yeah, you you got your pass mark. Now you're just trying to go for a distinction. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that that's pretty much that is that is exactly it. <laughs> you know that that that's yeah. Rogar has Rogar has to be the best. So like no one ever was. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, well, that was a little bit different, and I hope you enjoyed your first foray into the Black Pyramid. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and. uh Cheers for Paul helping me out there with reprising his role as Steve. Absolutely. Enjoyed it. <laughs> very uh, 
very fucked up little story there. But so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just glad you approved it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, I mean, I, I try I try to stick to uh, what I think these horrifying entities would put people through. And I, I, I try to just think I get close. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And, uh, well, I hope everyone else listening at home enjoyed. That was Gunpowder Trees and No Plot. You can find us on all major podcast providers. We have a WordPress website and a Facebook group at Gunpowder Trees and No Plot with uh, lore and pictures and things like that on. And if you want to chat to me, I am on Twitter at, at Trees and No, and my players are on there with their player names and GTMP at the end of it. And I will turn you over to my co-host to say their own little goodbyes. As usual, if you've enjoyed hearing my voice, as much as I enjoy hearing my own voice, you can find me on Lost Art Podcasting and Lost Art Wrestling Podcast. They're available on all good podcast providers, and you can follow them on Twitter at Lost Art Podcast and at LAOW Podcast. And maybe one day, you'll find me in the Rescar Cafe on Rescar Business Estate in Preston, Lancashire, the UK. Not Europe anymore. <laughs> but yes, you can also find me on those. But you can also find me on the RAD Live podcast. We're on all the major podcast catchers out there, such as Stitcher, Spreaker, Podbean, and all the other good ones. You can also find us on Twitter at UKRAD Podcast. And we are also got a page on Facebook. And sometimes you may catch me as my alter ego, as you heard today, Steve. A little bit more fucked up than Steve is today, though. That's Steve AOT GTMP on Twitter. And usually most of his vitriol is aimed at Rogue here. <laughs> uh, thank you again for joining us, everyone. And we will see you all next week. Goodbye. See ya. See ya. Hey there. I'm Emily. I'm Erica. And we're your new best friends, whether you like it or not. <laughs> Listen to Grow Out of It every Sunday to make fun of us, as all best friends should, while we read our old creative writing from our childhoods. There's a first time for everything, the magnified voice <laughs> replied. Mm -hmm. My name is Morgus, and I will destroy you. <laughs> Classic Morgus. Necropodicon. Hard to pronounce? Easy to listen. Thank you to Sirenscape for some of the music and sound effects that you heard within this podcast. They do amazing atmosphere and music, so make sure to check them out at www.sirenscape.com. Epic games need epic music.